To dream the impossible dream. Remember this song? To fight the unbeatable foe. To bear the unbearable sorrow. To run where the brave dare not go, and so on. Remember that song? Remember who sang that? Pardon? Don, Don Quixote. Uh, doesn't that come from The Man from La Mancha, that movie? Some of you remember that. Well, we're going to talk about a man this morning uh, who was a dreamer. Uh, his life, we talked about a storyline last week. His life was quite a storyline. Uh, years ago, Clarence McCartney wrote that everyone's life contains sufficient material for a great novel. I love that. Uh, everyone's life contains sufficient material for a great novel. I'd love to read a novel about you. I'd, I'd love to read your story. And, you know, as we go through life, we collect a lot of experiences, and uh, we have a lot of drama in our lives, and we have a lot of stories. I think we just need someone to come along and, and put pen to paper and write a novel. And who has a more fascinating novel than Joseph? I mean, he grew up a favored son a kid that is uh, a bit spoiled by his dad. A little arrogant as a teenager, but, but he matures very quickly. And he goes from riches to rags to riches again. And he knows the prison, and he knows the palace. He knows it all. And by the time his journey ends, uh, he has lived uh, uh, such an amazing life. And he has been impacted by every emotion, joy and love and sadness and jealousy and Grief and betrayal and treachery and forgiveness. I mean, it's all there. Uh, we all have sufficient material for a great novel. Actually, Joseph is one of my favorite uh, people in the Bible. I think the, he is that to many people. Uh, there's something about Joseph that captures our hearts and simply endears us to him. I mean, you only have to read his story once, and you feel like you, you got to know him. You feel like he's the guy that walks into the room, and you're instantly attracted to him. And you want to talk to him. You want to get to know the guy. There's just something magnanimous about who he is. He has that thing about him. He's a model of incredible integrity, and he's a man that modeled continual forgiveness. So let's talk about dreams and visions. As we were praying this morning, someone said that they had all kinds of dreams this week. And I said, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about dreams this morning. Uh, number one, the faith to dream. Can you catch this picture with me for a moment? It's breakfast time in Jacob's tent. Leah is there with her sons. Remember them? Reuben. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, all of them seated in their customary places. Jacob's four sons by concubines have arrived. So has little Benjamin, who always makes Jacob think of Rachel, the true love of his life. The blessing is offered. The milk is passed. The bread is served. And then like a star whose time has come to appear on the stage, Joseph comes into the room and he takes his seat next to Jacob uh, as all of the half-brothers kind of roll their eyes in disgust. Not him again. 
And Joseph wastes no time in breaking the silence. Had a dream last night, guys. <laughs> we were binding sheaves of grain, you know, when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while all of your sheaves bowed down to me. Reuben choked on his oats. And the others could not believe their ears. Their little brother is talking like this. Well, the very next day, the same thing happens again. Only this time, Joseph says, I got a, had a dream last night, guys. Man, I dreamed that the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were all bowing down to me. This was even more than Jacob could handle. And so he rebukes Jacob for such a dream. Arrogant young guy. Absolutely. Naive? Certainly. More than a family can tolerate. Impossible? Impossible dream? It would seem so. Unless you know the rest of the story. Dreams. They've been called the real windows to the soul. They reveal more about us than we tend to know about ourselves. If they happen to be from God, they determine our destinies more than we could ever imagine. So just to lead off this morning, don't count the dreamers out. Don't count the dreamers out. Henry Ford had a dream to put a horseless carriage into the hands of the common folk. He built his first car in a shed behind his house. In 1903, 1903, he formed the Ford Motor Company and he produced the first Model T. That year, his company made 6,000 cars. Eight years later, they were producing 500,000 cars a year. It's incredible. As a staff, we've actually... I've been reading different vision statements, mission statements, because we're thinking about that these days. And uh, we read the vision statement for Ford, Ford Motor Company. It goes this way. We will democratize the automobile so that everyone will be able to afford one and everyone will have one. That was the vision statement back in the early 1900s for the Ford Motor Company. The Apostle Paul dreamed of preaching Christ before philosophers and emperors, and the church spread throughout Europe and Asia. William Carey dreamed of taking the gospel to India, and an entire missions movement was born. Dwight L. Moody had a dream for the youth of Chicago, and he ended up launching a church the church morphed into a Bible college and then into an evangelistic movement. Oh, and don't forget, the 12 ordinary uneducated people began their mission without a printing press, without TVs, without computers, without DVD players, without the internet. They didn't have a marketing strategy. There was no strategic plan other than the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and sensitivity to his leading. Those 12 disciples of Jesus had an amazing God dream because they had spent time with Jesus. You know, and more than ever before, I'm, be just, I'm beginning to, to see that we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have it all mapped out. 
we mostly need to be obedient to God and just allow God to be God. Who was it that parted the Red Sea to allow the children of Israel to go free? I mean, who was it that whittled Gideon's army down to a fraction of its size to defeat the Midianites? I mean, who was it that used a shepherd with a slingshot to slay a monstrous giant? Actually, dreams are not really about us. That's not the point. Dreams are not about your self-fulfillment or your self-actualization. And they have nothing to do with whether you, you become famous or not. Dreams are really about God. And he invites ordinary people to dream something so great that it would be impossible if God did not do it. Joseph was having some significant God dreams when he was very young, a teenager. Yeah, I just want to say, pay attention to some of those dreams that you get. It might not be too much late night pizza that's bringing on the dreams. Maybe God does want to plant a thought in your heart through a dream. Try to discern that. We're trying to do that as a church. I mean, it might be a literal dream. It might be a more visionary dream. But we want to pay attention to what God is saying. So in Genesis 37, his brother said, So you're going to rule us? You're going to boss us around? And they hated him more than ever because of his dreams and the way he talked. He had another dream and told this one to his brothers. I dreamed another dream. The sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to me. When he told it to his father and brothers, his father reprimanded him. What's with all this dreaming? Am I and your mother and your brothers all supposed to bow down to you? Now his brothers were really jealous, but his father brooded over the whole business. His father wondered what all of this meant. I mean, what was happening in Joseph's life? Dad has to wonder about son. What's, what's happening in son's life? Was this God? I, I mean, just like we wonder about that in our own lives. Is this God speaking? Should I take this seriously? Is this for me? Is there a message here? Don't you wonder that? Now, Jacob was not the wisest father in the world. You know that. He was a great spiritual leader on many fronts. But he was not the wisest spiritual father or the, the uh, father in the world. And he set Joseph up for some very tough times with his older brothers. They didn't like Joseph because his dad was passive. And he played favorites. And it was obvious that he was the pet in the family. Passive fathers tend to favor the child who's easiest to raise, of course. It's, it's difficult to deal with a child who's hard to raise. That's why he or she is hard to raise. Difficult. Joseph was easy, easy child. We used to have lots of fun in our family. We have three girls if you're, uh, if you're fairly new. The girls would kind of tease, and they'd all be together. And they'd say, Dad, who's the favorite daughter? Dad, da Dad, who's your favorite daughter? And I had to be careful that I would not stumble. Well, I would say, well, all three of you are the favorite. Yeah, but Dad, who's the real favorite? You know, like the favorite favorite. Well, all three of you are. It was a game, but I could not afford to misstep on that one. You're all my favorites, of course. 
So the family of Joseph gathered around the table every evening, always the potential to be a bit of a powder keg. You could often cut the tension with a knife. And then on top of this built-in favorite son syndrome, Joseph was a dreamer. Or I think better said, God gave him dreams. I mean, you can't help it if you get dreams. God gives you dreams, you get dreams. You can't say, I don't want them. I mean, I guess you could, but what Joseph really needed was a dad or a spiritual mentor to help him process these dreams. You got someone in your life who's full of dreams? Maybe you can be a mentor. Maybe you can be someone who listens and who guides. Thank God for someone who is close to you who is dreaming God's dreams. I would just say that. It really infuriated his brothers that he shared his God dreams with them. They probably wouldn't have called them God dreams. I think it's important to say that there's a place where we need to exercise real discernment. If God's showing you some things in your journey, be wise where you share that. Some people will understand completely and come alongside of you, and others will interpret it as arrogance, or they will not, miss a, they will not understand what you're, you're processing, and they will not encourage you in your journey. Maybe Joseph was sharing his dreams just because it excited his heart. I mean, dreams excite us, right? It fueled his passion. It made him wonder about the future. I think it really got him excited for what's coming next. I mean, that's what faith does. Uh, it produces a sense of, wow, look at this open vista. Look at this, this horizon. God, you really have some more important things ahead for us. And I feel that when I think of the track that God has us on at TCC. I mean, there are dreams that God is putting into our hearts because we can't stay here. We must always go there, meaning a, a holy discontent. We can't be content to say, this is enough. I think we've done, we're far enough along. God has more, always has more. We're just beginning to scratch the surface in this community. Most of us probably don't dream enough. If someone were to ask you this morning, what are your dreams for this new year? Could you verbalize them? Dreams are usually specific. And they're, they're personal, not public. God doesn't give anyone else my dreams on a public computer screen for others to read. He gives them to me personally, and he gives them to you personally. Dreams can easily appear to others as extreme and logical. Have you ever, uh, illogical, have you ever heard the story of Walt Disney? One of his board members said that Walt Disney would occasionally present some unbelievable, extensive dream that he was entertaining. And almost without exception, the members of his board would gulp and blink and say, that is impossible. We can never do that, Mr. Disney. But unless every member resisted the idea, Disney usually didn't pursue it. Yeah, you heard that correctly. Unless every member resisted the idea, Disney didn't pursue it. The challenge wasn't big enough to, to merit his time and his creative energy. Unless they were unanimously in disagreement, then it became a challenge for him. That got the juices going when everyone was saying, that cannot be done. I can't imagine functioning that way, personally. 
It's very opposite to most of our approaches. We're looking for consensus all the time, that everybody's on board. But no doubt Disney was uh, effective in dreaming some incredible dreams. And, of course, he had the bucks to do what he wanted to do as well. Joseph started to grow his faith at home. Uh, even though his home was not the perfect home by any stretch of the imagination, he started to grow his faith at home. I'm so glad you as parents stand with your kids at such pivotal times in their lives to help them grow while they're still at home with you. You can encourage them. You can bless them. Boy, a, a powerful word of encouragement just spurs them onward. You can guide them. You can believe in them. And you can believe in who God made them to, to be. It was a tough time, a tough home to be raised in, Joseph home. Uh, that family dynamic impacted his whole life. And it's all in the novel, right to the end, when Joseph says to these same brothers, you don't have to be afraid of me. Am I God that I, I can punish you? I mean, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me into this position so I could save the lives of many people. You see, it was a dream that God gave to him as a teenager that shaped his life. And he never forgot it. He saw the hand of God in it. Don't disconnect the dream that you get in your early days from the rest of your life. That dream set the stage for his entire life. Although he couldn't see it at the time. He didn't know what was coming. And hey, you don't know what's coming your way either. You don't know it, how it all comes together. There's an element of faith and trust for every one of us. God has got something for you. Follow your dream, your vision. What's God saying to you? Oh, you might say, I really don't hear from God that well. I really don't know. You know, you might be the age of Joseph when he got his dreams. Or you could be a grandma, you could be a grandpa, or anywhere in between. God speaks to you, and sometimes you hear him as young people more clearly than we do as adults. And you are now beginning to hear the voice of God. Awesome. Keep listening. Know that he wants to speak to you, and he has some amazing plans for your life. Like Joseph, he's going to lead you onwards. So that's the beginning of Joseph's life. He had dreams. God was giving him dreams. Now, secondly, I'm going to take you to the, to the end of his life. If you want to know what's between, uh, just read this exciting novel. It's a great read. And his life was not boring. I mean, you can say that with confidence. Wow, his life was not boring. Do you like riding on a roller coaster? I mean, sit in the same seat with Joseph and you'll see what a roller coaster is all about. His brothers nearly killed him. Instead, they threw him into a pit in Canaan. He was sold as a slave. He was taken to Egypt. A high-ranking official by the name of Potiphar bought him. Joseph brought great blessing to the household of Potiphar because God's hand and favor was upon Joseph. 
And then Potiphar's wife took a liking to this handsome dude called Joseph, and she was not going to take no for an answer. And when she couldn't have Joseph, she felt scorned, and she cried, assault, rape. I think Potiphar knew better, but he had to put Joseph in prison. But even in prison, God blessed Joseph again and again and again, and he was lifted from prison virtually overnight and made to be the prime minister of Egypt, second in command. It's an amazing story. Roller coaster. And then the novel deals with the brothers. After 20 years, Joseph is reunited with his brothers, and by the grace of God, uh, so fills Joseph uh, that he sees and understands the big picture of what God is doing. Oh, he's beginning to get it. This is big picture stuff. Kind of cool, isn't it, to see regardless of the pain and the anger and the stuff that's in our families that God is bigger. I mean, I'm sure you don't have any stuff in your family. You've got it all together. But most of us don't. Families are roller coasters. His heart is bigger than punishment and shame. And he uses us to be the people to break the cycle and to be redemptive. We've been talking about that lately in our home. That he uses us to break the cycle and, and allows us to be redemptive in our family. Wow, you be that Joseph in your family. Although you have the power to do something you choose not to. That's Joseph. He saw the hand of God. So first the faith to dream, and then secondly the faith for next steps. Have you uh, discovered in your life that you just can't stop time and say, let's just camp here for the rest of our life. This is really good right here. This is great. Time will not stop for any of us. It just keeps marching on. And life is always about what is next. It's wonderful to celebrate the past, and we must do that. But we can't stay in the past too long. Mark and I had lunch with a dear friend uh, not too long ago. He's, uh, he's now 92 years old. And you know what he's about? He's about next. Uh, what's next, Lord? He just lost his wife. Uh, he's still working with the conference a little bit. Mind is sharp. Heart's in tune with God. He loves people. He loves God. Everybody loves him. He, and he's all about next. Man, is he inspiring. He could have stopped. He could have gone into pause. But he kept choosing to say, what's next? What's next, God? At my age... What's next now? Jacob, the father of Joseph, is dying. He's 147 years old. Genesis 48 and 49 are great chapters where Jacob understands what's next. It's time to bless his family. It's time to bless his grandchildren. He will be gone soon. And he wants to bless for the next generation. Got any grandparents here this morning? You know about this. Blessing your children. Blessing your grandchildren. I mean, it's one of the things on your bucket list. Your what's next list. 
because your blessing to them is critically important. And Joseph's boys, they're now young men. Actually, Joseph's first two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, would enjoy equal status with Jacob's sons. So you see, Jacob was seeing the picture even more clearly as he came to the dying moments of his life. And I expect that's true of of many. It was the vision he was seeing. Aha, it was the vision given to Abraham. It was the vision given to Isaac. And it was the vision given to Jacob. And Jacob's name was called Israel. And they're all part of the covenant picture. This is what God was doing. The covenant people would play, play such an important role in touching a whole world. It was a big vision. It was a big vision. But it was well on its way. And everybody saw how they were playing a part in that big vision. And it reaches down to us. We're part of it too. We're part of next steps to stay, to say we can't stay here in our corner. And we've always felt that, that that was the DNA out of which this church was birthed. We don't always know the specific next steps, but we always know the next steps, if that makes sense. Uh, there are next steps, and we try to discern what they are to introduce Jesus Christ as the hope of the world. But we want to listen carefully for those next steps. So Jacob blesses his children. He looks into the future, and he wants what God wants. And then he dies, and his request is to be buried back in Canaan. It must have been an impressive funeral procession, silently winding its way all the way from Egypt, all the way back home to the land of Canaan. And when Jacob was buried, the brothers of Joseph were very nervous. It might indeed be the time when reckoning comes, when Joseph would get his revenge on his siblings. When Joseph received their message, he wept. He said, don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't don't you see you planned evil against me, but God used these same plans for my good as you see all around you right now, life for many people. Easy now, you have nothing to fear. I'll take care of you and your children. And he reassured them, speaking with them heart to heart. Oh, certainly. If Joseph had it in his heart to do a payback time, this would have been perfect. But it never was the heart of Joseph. You see, this roller coaster life that he had had shaped his heart. And that's what life does to us. That's what life does to us. I hope your life experiences are not making you bitter and sour and negative. I mean, there's always a chance that that's the way it could unfold. Because that's the, the enemy would love that. Nothing more is just to kind of blank your life out at that point. Listen, if you don't get bitter and you trust God... Either now, or in a year, or ten years, or if not then, in eternity, you'll see how God works it all out. Just trust him. Just trust him. Don't take it into your hands. Know the heart of your loving father. He's your papa, and he cares for you. You have the power to punish, perhaps. Choose the power to forgive. 
You have the power to put somebody in a squeeze. Choose to release them with the grace of God. What a grand life for Jacob and then for Joseph. Joseph, he dies at the age of 110. And he has the same heart. He has the same heart for the future. What's next? Listen to what he says in Genesis 50, 24. Soon I will die, Joseph <coughs> told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of the land of Egypt. Joseph knew that Egypt was only temporary. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So Joseph says, when you leave, take my bones with you. A helicopter pilot said he had a very unusual experience. For the first and only time in his life, he saw a complete rainbow. Now, all we usually see, of course, is a rainbow. In a rainbow is an arc. Because, but but a, rain, a rainbow is circular. He said, when I was just in the right position, at just the right spot in the heavenly prison, I not only saw it, but I flew through it and around it. We don't usually see the whole rainbow. But this we know, God has good things for all of us, for you. That's really the intent of his heart. God always means it for not just a little bit, but he means it always for good. And so with joy and with anticipation and with expectancy, we reach out in courageous faith to say, God, What's next? What's next? May we bow together. Would you just pray with me? Father, what's next? What's next for my life? Father, what's next for all my brothers here in this auditorium today? What's next for all my sisters here? Would you show us as we wait upon you and as we listen for your heart to us? Are there some here this morning that have never said yes to Jesus living at the center of your life and you would like to do that this morning? Never really started the journey. Just whisper a prayer. Lord, come and live in my life. Lord, come and live in my life. Forgive my sins. He hears your prayer. If that's your heart today, just lift up your hand and we'll take it down. Lord, come and live in my life. I want to start with you this year. Amen. Are there some here struggling with a relationship? What to do? What's next? Need wisdom? Ask God. Surrender it to Him. Are there some who need direction for your dream? You need help discerning your dream, what it is that God is saying to you? Just ask Him. 
And just come and pray with someone at the, at the close of the service. They'd love to ask God with you. They'll pray with you for spiritual wisdom and insight. What a joy. Are there some who are saying, I don't want 2018 to be just a, another mediocre year with God. I want it to be a fresh start. I want to walk in the joy of his presence. Just ask the Lord for the first steps to start moving in that direction. What's next, Lord? Father, you love us so much. You love us so much. You always have the very best for us. So we receive today your kindness and your wisdom and your blessing. And we thank you for encouraging us and giving us dreams and vision. And I pray, God, you give it to every one of us in, in your unique way, that we'd hear you well, that we'd walk with you faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen.